You are listening to episode 34. This episode is brought to you by my new course, How to Dominate LinkedIn with Your Personal Brand. Do you feel like when you're on the LinkedIn platform, you're not really sure how to actually navigate it? Does it feel clunky or confusing? And do you have all these connections, but you're not sure how to really leverage those connections and how to really show up virtually in presenting your personal brand? Well, that is what this course is about because since September, I've gone from 1,500 connections to about 8,000 connections on LinkedIn. Not only that, I've gotten clients through my content and people have actually reached out to me to speak for virtual speaking engagements. So if this is something that you would really like to capitalize on and take advantage of, and learn about, then this course is definitely for you. And you can learn about it more uh, in my show notes and I will have the link to the waitlist just for you. And now on with the show. I'm so excited to share this episode with you because it really was a gem that came out of a virtual coffee. I know I met a lot of cool people through virtual coffees during this pandemic. I guess that is one of the blessings I can genuinely say has happened. And one of them is today's guest, Sydney Wong. We met through virtual coffee, but through that virtual coffee, I learned about her experience in Silicon Valley and what she's really about. And I knew I had to interview her for my podcast. Her mission is to bring the Silicon Valley model to Canada. She is a young, enthusiastic, ambitious entrepreneur, angel investor, and speaker. And she has even started her own company, VentureX, which really helps startups get that funding. You'll learn so much from this episode. I know that if you're interested in angel investing, entrepreneurship, and startups, this is the episode for you. Welcome to the Okiki Podcast, where we make inspirational people known. Brought to you by your host, Fian O'Brien. Welcome to the Okiki Podcast, and I'm so excited to have a very special guest today, Sydney Wong, and she is the CEO and founder of VentureFX. Uh, I actually met Sydney through Virtual Coffee, and since then we've been talking a lot about tech, and she just has some amazing information to share with you all today. So thank you so much, Sydney, for being willing to be part of this. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. So do you mind telling our audience about your background? How did you actually get into the tech space? 
Sure, yeah. So um, when I graduated from my, my university, um, it was during the time of the recession. So during, um, during that time, it was really difficult to find marketing jobs. And I ended up in tech kind of by accident um, because it was the only place that was really hiring a lot. And so then I was working more and more in that field. Then a few years later, I had a friend from San Francisco who said, if I was very serious about learning more about tech and startup, then I needed to move down to the valley. So I did. And within about 10 days, I bought a one-way plane ticket and I moved in with him. Wow. And, <laughs> and it was a crazy kind of adventure. I got to meet a lot of great founders and I realized that I really wanted to work in this space and I wanted to help improve this industry. So I talked to all the different um, kinds of startup founders, and I ended up building a platform that uses your metrics in order to best put your, your best foot forward when it comes to early stage funding. So it specializes in pre-seed seed, and up to series A funding for tech startups. That is so amazing. So do you want to kind of walk our audience through that process like you fly you take a one-way ticket to silicon valley <laughs> which is pretty daring to do how did you navigate entering that tech space um not only as just entering that tech space as an outsider of the valley but even as a young female how did you navigate that space and really show up and show up with confidence to start networking with some of these people so I always found that Silicon Valley was a very special place. As soon as you kind of get out of the airport, you have this feeling that everything is possible and someone that you're probably looking at is making it possible. So it's a very um, inviting and um, innovative kind of place where people feed off each other's ideas, improve them and execute them in a speed and level that I don't see anywhere else in the world. And I've lived in a lot of different places. Um, so for example, I was working um, at, uh, as a consultant um, a few years ago, also in the tech space. And I went down to um, Silicon Valley, but this was when I actually had just left this job. And I was supposed to be at this conference that was in San Francisco. But of course, because I left the job, I was no longer going to the conference. Um, so I was just kind of walking around San Francisco doing what I think San Francisco people do, like looking at sea lions and stuff. And so I was at the port, um, mo mostly checking out sea lions. That was like my whole plan for the day. And there was this man who was jogging and he really wanted to take um, a, a picture of the background. So he asked me to take his picture and I did. So I took his camera, I took a picture and um, then I, you know, just greeted him, just kind of wish him well for his day and was on my way. And then he asked, wait, 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 what, what do you do? Who are you? Why are you here? Because um, he also saw that I wasn't from there. And so then I told him I was supposed to be at this conference, but now I'm not going to go. Um, I actually uh, work for this uh, type of software. And he goes, we're trying to hire somebody just like that. And so um, I ended up going to the conference and, uh, with his company because he was actually one of the sponsors. And it was a really interesting kind of experience. And I met his whole team and, uh, you know, learned what kind of collaboration forces that we could have. But these are the kinds of examples where if you are approached or you say yes to opportunity or you introduce yourself to people, um, you would be surprised with the kinds of outcomes and reactions that the world can provide back to you. It's kind of like that whole saying of um, 
you know, you wish there were more doors that opened up for you. Well, are you actually the one knocking on them? And how many have you knocked on today? Kind mm. of thing, right? So um, it's really, it really teaches you a lot about the, the potential when it comes to being open-minded and understanding your kind of mentality of abundance in the world. That's amazing. Yeah, I love what you said because it is that way. Like you can't really, <laughs> you can't really get those opportunities if you don't knock in the first place. And even just asking people in the first place or just having those conversations is a really good place to start. So kind of going off of that, what is your advice for people who do want to start in the tech space? Let's say they can't just take a one-way ticket to Silicon Valley. What should they do if they just have even the slightest inclination to try and get into this sector? Well, understand what problem it is that you're trying to solve. So um, as an investor today, of course, we're looking for things that are very unique and we're looking for things that are five times better than the current solution, not just a little bit better, right? You're really going for a type of moonshot style and you're really wanting to win the market. So is your market big enough? Are you doing the research that it is big enough? It is scalable. Um, you are helping enough people. Is the problem you're solving a real problem or is it just a problem for you? So this has also come about um, oftentimes too, that, you know, some people are solving a problem, but it's just a problem that they've experienced and maybe not one that a lot of people are experiencing. And therefore you can't really build a huge business, but you can probably build, you know, a lifestyle or hobby kind of business on the side. In terms of meeting more tech people, I would always be recommending that, but you're really having to provide value. So understand what you are good at and providing value to them. One of the very best approaches, and actually when I was teaching um, a university course this summer at Concordia in my, in my hometown here, um, this was one of the emails that I got at a tech networking event and it was so well written it was so genuine and so perfect that i used it as an example on my slides for my students mm -hmm. and so there was this this um person that i met at an event and he was so nice he was perfectly nice to talk to this was when i was just starting out and i was looking to meet more tech people but i didn't have my concept my business concept completely confined yet so i didn't want to be you know, um, sharing it with a whole bunch of people because I needed to do more research and I was still in that phase. So he offered his services instead of asking for something just out of the blue. Um, he said, hey, this is my background. I have a tech background. If you ever want, you know, any kind of advice on what it is that you're working on, let me offer this to you free of charge. I, I just want to uh, see if my, my background can help you. Right now, I actually am writing a book. He was writing a book about math. And then um, he said, if you do have a moment, I would love for you to, you know, give me some pointers about some of the things that I'm writing about as well. So he started off by offering value to somebody that he can provide, not knowing if I need it, right. but offering the value and then asking for really very little in return. And it was something that was so uh, genuine and helpful to me. But also that interaction taught me a lot about how to deliver my messaging and how to, to really announce yourself in a world that you may not be super familiar in, but it is something that you want to contribute to. So start contributing. You always can. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah, so many great points for our audience there. Like starting with actually offering value, um, you know, 
making those invitations. Again, like you said, there's a lot of correlation with relationship building. So that's really great. And so I wanted to ask you then, uh, you also got in the tech space, but you also got into the investing space, which is again, another area I'd say for a lot of uh, young people, it's something more of us should probably more versed in, more interested in. So how did you kind of get into that arena as well? So because we were building a tech platform that was specializing in investment, um, I learned that, you know, understanding both sides is really, really important. And so with the, with the revenue that we've generated from our, our business in the first couple of years, we can reinvest it. And also just in terms of being part of the understanding, the process, the partners, it is really important that you are out there and you are putting your money where your mouth is. You are out there to make an impact and you are um, working with those that you really believe in, right? So, you know, all of our um, investment uh, potential startups are those that came from our VenitureX platform because that way we can really see where their business is heading. We can track everything about their business and we have um, the best, most innovative companies because we've already vetted them. And therefore, our 250 investment partners of VentureX can also feel confident that they can co-invest with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I want to talk about that because uh, I want to talk about how did you get into the process of creating VentureFX and how did you actually build that trust with those investors um, to actually really look at this platform as something serious Uh, because just to give some background for the audience uh, this is kind of a totally different thing so maybe we can break that into two answers here Uh, how did you create this platform and then how did you then really build the trust of those investors to see this as a route to take rather than just going out and doing it themselves yeah, that's a really great question. Perhaps it's actually best if I show you and then I can show you kind of the, the features and where what that used to be and what it kind of looks like now. So then you can see the evolution in like kind of live. Awesome. So I'll share my screen and then I'll show you what our platform kind of looks like. So this is what we built first. Um, you can kind of see that this looks like a dashboard and we have runway conversion and engagement. And we actually used to have more metrics, but we had to take those off because they weren't as relevant for all the different kinds of companies, for example. Reiterating is a key to how you're going to build things, anything from scratch. So here you see your financial runway, you see your burn rate. Um, How are you managing your own money is going to tell investors how you're going to manage their money. If you are somebody who burns money super fast and you actually live in a low-cost city, that tells them a lot, right? Um, conversion is how you're converting uh, leads into sales in all these different ways. So some of the ways that we test is, for example, uh, pilot projects, as well as letters of intent and um, those kinds of things. So our system checks for all of these things and how well you're converting, um, you know, what your fiscal patterns are, things like that. All of these things are really important because the investors have a fiduciary duty to make sure that they get the investment back and they generate a return or their LPs, their limited partners. Engagement um, was always a big popular one, of course. So this is a combination of retention and usage. 
And so, um, for example, um, when Facebook was starting up, they were super, 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 super high on signups. And within, I think, a month, they had about 80% of the school campus on any school campus that they launched at were on Facebook. Right, right. And yeah, so their high growth sets a bar for what other social media platforms or other social platforms should be at when they're talking about, hey, we're growing super fast. No, are you growing this fast or not? And when it comes to things like, um, you know, engagement, I'll show you here, we have thresholds, right? So depending on your type of business, uh, industry, and business model, um, we have minimums and recommended before you should be submitting your business to investors at these stages. So this is something that is very unique because it gives you all the information that you need before you walk in the room. When you're pitching, you're really not the only one pitching, right? Like a fund is limited. It has a lot of money, but it's limited, which means that they can only decide on so many per year or for whichever amount of time. And so um, if they choose to invest in you, they're choosing not to invest in someone else. So you just want to make sure that you really are um, at the level that you want to be um, before you go and meet with the people that, uh, that you want to be in front of. That is so great. And thank you for really showing what your platform looks like, because um, this platform's unique in the sense that uh, you are really providing that um, essential information for the investors coming in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, then, absolutely. And then also, there's also the tech startup side. So I guess from the tech startup side, how did you really come about creating those benchmarks for them to try and reach in order to be become a viable product to those investors that you're engaging with yeah so really good questions um easiest one is that they they only they sign up by by going to venturex.ca so that is our website up here and then um when they fill out all their information which is the registration form they would have all of this already up and then when they're ready to apply for funding they just click this button and so then when they do um actually you would see it would show up on the investor side if they are a good match. And uh, the investor side, I can show you, they'll just end up like looking like this, you know? So that you'll see how um, the different information comes about and you can see if you want to then be booking a meeting with these kinds of, um, with these kinds of companies or not. And then in terms of the benchmark, that was probably amongst the hardest things that we had to do. Um, the reason being that we wanted the benchmarks to be real and reflective, but actually a lot of the people that we researched with, they knew what they didn't want, but they didn't know what they wanted. And that is incredibly frustrating when you're trying to build a product that satisfies everyone because their best answer was usually, well, what did other people say? Well, I don't care what other people say. I want to know what you say. And, um, but it was one of those uh, chicken and egg situations. So um, now we've gathered a lot of crowdsourcing information um, across different sectors in order to make up uh, the different benchmarks. So they are real data from our actual startups, from fintech, from insurance tech, from you know, education tech, all of these different kinds of um, tech industries in order to make up the different benchmark levels. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that. And back to you. Yeah, what was your real mission behind creating a platform like this? Uh, what was the gap or what, was, what were you trying to bring to the industry or to the tech and investing sector that you really weren't seeing that you're hoping to build? 
Yeah, so um, there are a lot of different gaps in the investment industry only because it's such an old industry. So it has not been revolutionized in many generations, hmm. which is ironic because it's the kind of thing where people look for innovation every day. And yet the industry in itself has never been innovative. So that's why it creates a lot of different gaps, especially in today's world. So um, a lot of the best startups are not able to kind of get in front of uh, the people that they need uh, for a variety of reasons. It could be um, that they don't know the right people. It could be how, where they grew up, where they were born, what citizenship they have, a lot of the different status. But I truly believe that when it comes to talent, when it comes to merit, when it comes to business, um, everything is genderless and colorless mm -hmm. and you really should be focusing on basing and evaluating these founders, these people as their accomplishments and their merit, as opposed to who knows my friend. Well, mm -hmm. I don't care who knows my friend. I have a lot of friends. That's not the point. Yeah. Um, I want to know how well you're doing. I want to know what your growth rate is. I want to know, you know, how are you able to return this investment and in what time frame and what clarity and what kind of uh, confirmed insurance and, and these kinds of things, as well as what kind of impact are you really making? Um, is this the kind of thing that we want to invest in, our partners want to invest in? And uh, more and more, if you put merit in front of, you know, everything else, all these uh, things that are normally kind of um, targeted about the investment industry as it is, you know, being a very closed club and, and things like that, then you're really um, able to find all these gems from all these different diverse great founders and close a lot of the gaps that um, have been caused by just, like I said, generations of lack of innovation in this industry. And so I'm really hoping that this brings about new innovative ideas, um, as well as putting a spotlight on the founders that um, didn't get the chance to before, but really deserve that chance because of all the great things that they have built. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love what you're bringing up because there's so many facts around that. I, I, I saw um, in a few talks on tech how VC funding actually usually only accounts for 5%. Yes. of how um, tech startups get their funding. Yeah. And I heard like 75% usually don't even, like aren't even successful. So to your point, a lot of uh, VC funding could be going to a lot of startups that aren't necessarily good yeah. simply just because they know the people. Um, so there's a lot of factors in that. And I think it's really interesting that I guess in a way you're seeking to democratize the process mm -hmm. is what I mm -hmm. understand. And um, yeah, even in that, I, I have uh, two questions on investing. Um, from the flip side, given that statistic as well, um, what are some of your suggestions for tech startups who, again, can't necessarily get in front of a VC? And of course, your platform is an option. Uh, what are some other options too that you would suggest for funding given um, such that's, that's really small percentage? Yeah, so um, generally, uh, before we have created this platform, we of course had our consultation arm, right? So being uh, consultants in this industry, we have come to learn a really important thing, being that you can't actually be the CEO of running your business and doing fundraising at the same time. It's a whole separate job. Mm -hmm. So you may need to actually hire out in order to have that as a specialty on its own and everything else, because you either have to make the decision on a day-to-day -day basis, am I going to focus on fundraising or I'm going to focus on running the business? 
And um, that is a difficult thing for all CEOs, but it really does depend on, you know, what's in your pipeline, where your business is, and um, who you have to be able to help you with all of these different hats. So I had um, a great entrepreneur who once taught me when I first started out saying that as a CEO and as an entrepreneur, you're always going to have a lot of balls in the air, but it's up to you to decide which one of these balls is made of glass. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the first time I'm hearing that quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and really good food for thought. Um, and then also on the flip side, given those stats, and of course, again, um, your platform sounds like an amazing option for people to consider, and which is why I really wanted um, that shown in this uh, podcast episode. Also, for people who are looking into investing and investing maybe into a more high-risk area like tech for the first time, um, what is your advice for them, given that there may be a lot of people, (laughs) a lot of different startups that they actually have an opportunity for that won't get necessarily that major, major funding? So um, if it's your first time being an investor, I would advise, and this is something that um, our our um, investment group has has put this criteria on us too to ensure that all of us all of the different angels have enough experience is to not leave the investment round is to ensure that it's being led by somebody that you trust has a good reputation um, you know somebody that you know hopefully or have worked with in the past but if you are the one leading you're the one who's kind of doing all of that you know heavy lifting and uh, the due diligence and everything else that comes with that but if you are a follow-on investor then you have the chance to really observe and learn and ask questions um so that is definitely an option if you want to go about it independently to even lower your risk even more to be a little bit more conservative is just to join an angel group as well that's in your local area um, or, you know, national ones in your country, which, whichever that may be. And um, these kinds of groups will, again, uh, give you the opportunity to learn the ropes as you get started before you start making these kinds of big decisions and, um, you know, putting, putting your money on the line. But you will be able to, just for a, usually a couple hundred dollars um, membership fee, be able to um, go to all of these different training sessions and all these things um, because there's a lot to do that's more than just I want to invest in tech startups. There's a lot of verticals. There's a lot of things to consider. There's a lot of trends. Um, Even if you invest in something and that round doesn't close, that means that your investment is not useful anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and or it could be worse if they just close it with a smaller round, but then the, the, the company isn't actually growing to mm-hmm. what they promised um, because they couldn't get other people to close. So there's a lot of different factors and, um, you know, putting a huge focus and emphasis on your education as an investor has to be number one. Really, really great advice. And um, yeah, in that light, Given with um, with COVID and everything that's been going on, what are some of the trending industries that you think will pop up as places that could be considered for investment or that people should at least maybe look at? Yeah, so that's a really good question. We are actually launching a blog article about, you know, the the different pivots that have happened for startups and for companies, because, um, you know, having a lot of 
industries be hugely affected, including retail, restaurants, and travel um, by this pandemic, which is incredibly unfortunate, of course. Um, there are a lot of other factors also to include. So um, some of the trends that I've been seeing and hearing about uh, are anything from obvious to super, super kind of obscure, like you wouldn't even think that this would be a thing. So uh, some of the interesting ones, um, for example, is of course a food delivery being the, the biggest uh, growing place right now. Every single ride share is aggressively trying to pursue and acquire as many food delivery apps as possible. And so that is great. I think um, Uber was the, the really big one that closed, um, I forget how, how much money it was for Postmates, which is fantastic uh, because the Grubhub deal kind of fell through. So I think that that's great because it was before about 30% of their revenue that now had to increase to like 90% of their revenue because there's more people ordering food than there are taking rides. Mm -hmm. And that is very important to, to note, right? And then um, at, on the other hand, the more kind of crazy ones are that people don't want to go to malls anymore. So there's a lot are that are closing down. But even before that, to be perfectly honest, like our mall in the Eaton Center had like 30% closure anyway. So it, it's, not, it's not because of this necessarily. It, like, they had a lot of empty stores. And so, uh, but one of, the, one of the huge problems that came up during COVID were retirement homes. People didn't have enough space to yeah. separate and isolate and quarantine and they couldn't socially distance for a lot of reasons. So, um, you know, I was listening to um, one of the authors that I really admire, uh, James Altucher, who was talking um, to someone about maybe they're going to change malls into new retirement homes. There'll be so much space and it would, they would be changing something that has multiple floors already has elevators and um, into huge, retirement homes because they needed all of that space, right? They needed that space anyway. What COVID-19 did is that it shined a light on industries that were already suffering on, um, on insurance and health problems and uh, systemic wage problems that were already suffering in the first place. Right. And so what it did is that it really just turned these things into a magnifying glass of problems. So you can kind of see them up close and really personal. Um, so those are two kinds of trends that, that I'm seeing. I really find that when it came to the market and how it's reacting to COVID-19 is very unpredictable. Um, you know, as a very happy investor of uh, Shopify, for example, it has shot up like crazy because um, even in big cities, like I live in Montreal, there are a lot of mom and pop shops that never, ever had a website before, including my favorite grocery store. Never had a website before. They like just got an email a month ago and like that's their online delivery and i was like okay that's not what any of those words mean and so they, and so you have to like call them you have to like email them but they have no ability to list any food online so um so places like shopify is making just a killing because which mom and pop shop didn't have to um, then revert into, hey, we've got to make sure that we have an online presence. We've got to make sure that it's affordable. We've got to make sure that it's up now. And you know what? We may not be able to have a developer be able to do something super complex. So yeah. what is a platform that we need in order to make sure that, you know, we are still going to be able to pay rent next month? Because just because you're not open, it doesn't mean you don't have to pay rent and insurance and, and all of these things. You still do, right? And so um, it's, kind of, uh, it's kind of very interesting 
to see these giants either grow enormously or fall to the ground like Airbnb where nobody can travel. So nobody needed an Airbnb. And it's kind of like if you think of the game Yahtzee where you put the dice in the barrel and then you shake it up. And that is what I felt like the, the market rise and crash was like because it wasn't a V-shaped recovery. It was just kind of up and down and mostly sideways. And then um, when you let go of the dice, you see a whole new set of winners and losers. Hmm. And um, you have to see which side of your, of, you know, your intuition that it's really going on. Yeah, so definitely a lot of watching, learning, pivoting, happening during this time. Um, and thank you for, for that insight, too. A very cool points. And finally, what is the most valuable thing to you about being in the role that you're in today? Um, I think the most valuable thing, um, that's a very good question. So I think the most valuable thing is that I get to work on things that I believe in and I get to work on having the kind of life that I think I've always wanted. And, um, and these are the kinds of things that I hope everyone will get an opportunity to experience in one way or another, whatever it is that their career path is or their personal choices are, um, to experience that kind of uh, individual freedom and expression and, um, you know, optimizing things that are really important to them. And I think that when you are implementing uh, your actions that stay true to your values, then you are living exactly the way you're supposed to. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Sydney. Thank you for this insight and really an amazing interview. I'm sure our audience will get so much value out of this. And everyone, you definitely need to look out for her platform. If you're a tech startup, uh, this is a great place to go, even to learn how to have you know, those benchmarks for yourself to really be ready to present yourself to other investors too. Um, where can we find you, uh, Sydney, if you could just remind the audience again where they can catch up with you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, venturex.ca is www.venturex.ca. There's also a contact us form and chat that I also receive messages from. So you can feel free to chat or send me um, an email message anytime. Thanks again.